Welcome back to the Derek Diamond Experience podcast, where every week I take a look inside the world of film and television with those who have lived it and experienced it. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and today we're going to be talking about writing, specifically writing for comedy. Back in January, I had the pleasure of moderating a panel about writing for comedy at the inaugural Pensacola Indie Fringe and Comedy Festival. And what you're going to be hearing today on the podcast is the audio from that panel. I'm also joined by panelists Scott Warner, Marianne Del Gallego, Clayton Haybecker, Connie Morris, Kip Hayes, and Rodney Watley. They all joined me to discuss why they got into writing, the challenges of specifically writing for comedy, how they address critiques, and of course, take questions from the audience. This was a really fun chat to go back and listen to. I haven't listened to the audio since January. Uh, I felt like it was a really good discussion, and as someone who's currently writing their next script, it was really informative for me to hear some of their processes and how they handle critiques and things like that. So hopefully you guys really enjoy this chat. So without further ado, here is the Writing for Comedy panel from the Indie Fringe and Comedy Festival. How's everyone doing? How's everyone enjoying the comedy festival so far? It's my first time here. Awesome. The the first annual Pensacola Indie Fringe and Comedy Festival. And today we are here to discuss uh, comedy playwrights and comedy writing. So, uh, Clayton, we'll start with you. Why don't we have everybody introduce yourselves and your experience with being involved in writing comedy? Hi. My name is Clayton. Uh, hi, Clayton. Hi, Clayton. No heckling, please. Minus, <laughs> minus Kip over there. I'm probably one of the newest ones to writing, I guess you could say. Well, I guess, I don't know. I can't speak for everybody. But <laughs> uh, more recently, I've been doing the uh, Kid Get a Job, the sketch comedy. Uh, I've been writing sketches for them. And then also I'm involved in the murder mysteries where we make uh, murder funny. So that is the two main areas of my writing focus that I'm doing now. Next. <laughs> Hi, I'm Marianne Del Gallego. And actually I, I am a little bit newer to the, uh, the actual comedy writing part. I've been a um, little known fact for people here. I uh, used to write professionally when I was in the Philippines and in California for the newspaper, nothing haha funny. I, I wrote for the newspaper for two years and I was a copywriter for nine years and then changed careers when I got here. But I've always been doing theater and film and comedy is my strongest point. So when I met up with this dude next to me, he'll tell you, we sat down and we wrote a comedic series called Chasing Fame and that is really where I started writing comedy. So I'm a little bit newer uh, when it comes to writing comedy, yeah, but that's, that's why I'm here. <laughs> I'm Scott Warner and as Marianne said, she and I got together and developed a, uh, a web series and um, I started writing more shorts after that and just um, incorporating humor and comedy into my screenplays and that's that's how I got started a few years ago with this little lady. <laughs> I'm Connie Morris. Um, I actually studied playwriting, and I'm, uh, everything I've done is mostly for the stage. Um, studied playwriting at school, and uh, I've written most of the time ever since. Um, did a lot of theater, uh, 20 years in children's theater here. And um, 
lately I've been doing the short, very challenging 10 minute, 10 minute play for them, which is ripe for having a lot of comedy mm -hmm. in that, so that's good. My name is Kip Hayes. I don't know what Clayton was talking about. I've been uh, writing comedy plays since about 2011. Wow. <laughs> uh, mainly at the 24-hour 20, theater. Uh... I just started yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nice. 2011 was like yesterday for me, too. So, um, Doing a lot of the 24-hour theater festivals. Uh, I've done that, I guess, like 13, 14, maybe 15 times now, because it's usually biannual. Um, Lately, I haven't been writing that much because I'm a full-time grad student, but I have been recording vintage erotica in the style of children's books and posting them online. If you, you can get with me after the show, and I'll, I'll let you sample some. <laughs> are, are they illustrated? I, I can illustrate them, yes. Uh, hi, I'm Rodney Watley. I'm old. Um, in the 80s, I worked for a theater company in Newport, Rhode Island. Uh, they did murder mysteries too, but they were fully scripted, and so I wrote uh, a few uh, for them. Uh, then when I was living in Tallahassee, uh, I wrote and uh, performed a one-man comedy show, performance art kind of thing, plus had a show at um, Tallahassee Community College. It was a full-length comedy uh, about serial killers. Uh, and then I had a play when it was, what was it, Theater West mm -hmm. was over here. They premiered a, a, a comedy about uh, alcoholics and addicts of various types that die. Another comedy. Um, and mostly been writing for the stage most of my life. Uh, haven't really looked at publishing. Just interested in writing something and getting it on its feet on the stage. Awesome. Uh, I want to really kick things off, and we'll we'll start with you, Rodney, and work your way down the table. What was it that drew your initial interest in wanting to write, and specifically write comedy? Well, when I was growing up in rural Alabama, there weren't many people that were interested in theater or acting or performance art, unless it was pretending to be their dad while they were chasing a coon through the woods. Um, so I, I spent a lot of time watching television and watching movies and, and reading comic books. And I just wanted to be a storyteller because my best friends really were the stories. I remember we used to go and visit my redneck relatives. And, and I didn't like any of my cousins, so I'd just stay in the car and read comic books. And I just wanted to be a storyteller. I, I loved reading stories, and, and I just wanted to, to tell stories as well as read them. I'd say I really got interested in comedy and writing when I watched uh, Batman Forever, the Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> Batman movie. Uh, even as a little kid, I thought it was very funny. And that was the first time I remember watching a movie and going like, wow, this really is just make-believe, and you could, you could do this for a living. And this is something that really drew my interest. It's a pretty tight script. Go back. Don't, don't, don't crap on it. It's a pretty decent movie. It's actually pretty well plotted. I'll side with you on that. Thank you. <laughs> well, um, I can't remember when I didn't like to write... And uh, my favorite book was Little Women, of course, Joe, and uh, you know that's what that was her ambition too. And and I grew up, you know, doing the puppet shows for my family and friends, and and writing scripts for those. And and then I, you know, the first really serious play I think I saw was at Pensacola Junior College, and it was winter's tale when they did Shakespeare every year and uh, I was in high school and it was fab I thought it was fabulous and you know and just reading 
reading all the great writers and, re and watching I Love Lucy on television, which you know, was the funniest thing you, you could think of back then, and all those golden age you know, shows of TV. That's where I grew up, so that, that was great. That's what I kind of got going from there. <laughs> I started writing at, as long as I can remember, I'd write little <laughs> short stories, poetry, poems, and stuff, but once I got into acting, I wanted to write a screenplay so I'd have something to act in because in this area there's not a lot of things. And it just so happened the first screenplay I wrote was a comedy. And um, I just, I like doing comedy because when you're, you're laughing and having a good time, nothing else matters. Um, everything goes away. So it's, it's fun and it's also therapeutic to uh, explore. Writing for me growing up was an outlet, actually. Um, every time I needed to um, express myself, I couldn't do it verbally. It was easier to put it down in writing. So I had pages and pages of nonsense that only I could understand growing up. So that's how I got into the actual writing part. But comedy, uh, these guys know that I, I pretty much laugh at everything, even the most inappropriate things. And so um, it just gave us, I guess, second nature when we sat down and started writing um, uh, the series that, you know, stuff that happened to us, we were able to, you know, see the funny and then start writing it down. So that's, that's how it came about. <laughs> I kind of got forced into it against my own will. Um, <laughs> <It's true. laughs> I think Mitch Hedberg tells a joke where like people come to you and he's, they're like, oh, you're a stand-up comedian, can you act? And that's kind of what happened for me. I was an actor and then just people would be like, oh, you can act, so write this. And I'd be like, okay. So it's kind of what happened with the sketch comedy. I went in to be an actor and then I started to write stuff and then joined the murder mystery, be an actor, and then Nicole Dixon, the runner of that, was like, oh, Write us a murder mystery, so exactly. you know, just kind of here because I'm forced to be, you know. <laughs> no. And I enjoy it, so. No, no. She's good at it, though. Very good. Well, sometimes that's when you do your best work is when the choice is just taken out of your hands completely. You just have to do it, and you're just like, oh, that actually turned out pretty well. Yep. <laughs> uh, something, and I'll leave this, you know, open to anyone who who wants to answer this, but. And I was talking with a couple of you guys before we started, but writing comedy is not easy. What's been some of the biggest challenges that you guys have faced when writing comedic material? I'd say I, I think it's funny in my head, but will people think it's funny? That's the biggest thing. When we were when we were screening the short that we did, uh, or the, one of the episodes we did, I was cringing. Not so much because of I was on screen, but because, oh my God, what if they don't think it's funny? What if I'm the only one that thinks it's funny? I think that's the biggest thing right there is what's funny to me might not translate to everybody else. Because when you're when you're in there <laughs> writing it, it's, yeah, you're laughing in your head. It's funny. It, it's great. And all, everybody up super close to it, it, it plays. But once, once you see it come out, it's like, is it going to sell? Is it really that funny? Um, I think that is the hardest part. It's not yeah. necessarily knowing because, yeah, I'll laugh at my own jokes, but are other people. I take a real systematic approach to just about everything, every script I write, and, and I want to have, you know, the characters, I want to know who the characters are and what their backgrounds are, and then the comedy sort of flows out of the situation for that, you know, for that. And, and, you know, sometimes the lines might be funny to you, sometimes they're not funny to you and people like them. You know, the, the audience has to relate to it, whatever it is, you have to relate to the characters. And then if they say something that's just kind of weird, 
they'll laugh. People will laugh. You know, that's what you hope for anyway. <laughs> yeah, so the construction of the story kind of on that point is, is very important. Uh, you have to still think in terms of uh, a drama or a tragedy. Uh, people still have to have motivation and they still have somewhere to go. In a sketch, you don't necessarily need that. Uh, but if it's a full-fledged play, even just a one act, it's still things still have to go to their inevitable conclusions, and it's sort of uh, and making sure it's funny along the way. Like sometimes you can kind of get lost making sure things go the way you envision them. Yeah, it's something that all of you guys have pointed on is that humor. I think more so than most anything when it comes to emotional responses is so subjective. Mm -hmm. With drama, a lot of people can relate to you know, bad family situations or things like that. But what I might find hilarious, the rest of you would just be like, why did he say that? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, I can imagine it's a very delicate process. Like when you guys are writing a script, do a lot of your jokes just, jokes or situations, do you guys pull from real life situations at times? Do you just randomly think of something? Like how, how, do, your, how do you guys process writing for comedy? Um, I can answer that specifically with our very first uh, web series episode that we did. We tried to take real events that happened to us as actors and exaggerate them to a higher degree. Mm -hmm. So there was, we were based in reality, but it was absurd. And um, that's kind of how we came about it. We had, like you said, a story flow, a structure, and then just exaggerated. Any, anything that was just slightly off and played with it from there. I was I would I would agree with that. Absurdity. I like to I like to look at absurd things in society and just make fun of it somehow. Mm -hmm. Some character yeah. will just pull off of that mm -hmm. and everybody relates in the audience because they oh yeah, that is really crazy. Like Seinfeld did that. Yes. That's that's how it worked, mm -hmm. you know. So. anybody else have anything they wanna throw in on that topic? Well I I'm glad that you pulled back when you said jokes because that's the thing that I find the most challenging is trying to write dialogue that's funny but is not a joke. Not having one character artificially setting up the funny guy, the straight guy, the funny girl, uh, what have you. So yeah, um, I'm mostly just, well my favorite quote from David Mamet these days is, uh, playwriting is easy, all you have to do is sit down and write the interior conversations that everybody already has in their head mm -hmm. you know and you're you're either born with a talent or you're you're born shithouse crazy um <laughs> and that's basically what i do it's just i i kind of divide my psyche up into these different personalities and let them talk and and hopefully some comedy arises out of it <laughs> if not that's what the second third fourth and fifth draft are for even to kind of talk about that with like the murder mystery, I mean, there's been plenty of times I've written a script out for a murder mystery and been like, I'm not really sure as far as is this funny throughout the dialogue. And then the actors especially uh, find those moments and can almost add to it. Mm -hmm. So it's almost, you know, you've written something, but even just the inflection of how somebody says it can be a complete game changer. So just because your line isn't funny, your intent and the timing of the line could overall then bring the script to life. So. Well, and that's a, a good segue into what I wanted to ask next. As much as you can plan, you know, you write several drafts of your script, whether it's for a web series, a short, or for the theater. A lot of the funniest events that happen are 
spur of the moment. Do you guys have like a lot of experience with using improv lines in certain situations that you might find like in the moment might be better than what you had written out on paper? I can address that. Um, <laughs> I make most of my, uh, uh, I spend most of my time in the arts as directing. And I've never met a script that I couldn't improve. Uh, and I feel the same way about my scripts. So when I'm working with actors, it's like if something funny pops into your head, freaking say it. And if it's good, we'll keep it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's what delete and enter keys are for. So yeah, I highly encourage it yeah. because yeah. the group mind is always the smartest. Yeah. yeah. There's things that happen like like when you film that you just don't expect and when somebody comes off script and they just improv and I always encourage anybody I work to to just just go with it. Yeah, we want to stick to what we have and and written but the actors whether on play or screen are what's going to bring those words to life and they may say, "Well, you know, this would sound better if I say it this way." And damn it does. So mm -hmm. it's absolutely well, it's like the analogy of starting at A and ending at B. How you get there could very well change, but as long as you get to that destination, that's really the important thing. Are there any specific funny examples that might have happened, like say for you guys on set, of using an improv line that just was a real highlight from what you guys worked on? Well, basically episode two of Ch Chasing Fame, at the very beginning, where Chris Holloway, absolutely phenomenal actor, by the way, an improv actor, I don't think we that was scripted. The entire thing with the fish sandwich, we gave him like a couple of lines, and it just turned into this huge thing. He just he just we went gave him it. we gave him guidance. Like here's point A, here's point B, <laughs> get there. And we uh, were in tears. We were laughing so damn hard. Yeah. So it was yeah. It just again another example of something just coming to life. Yeah, during 24-hour theater once, uh, one of the actors was a consummate professional, and uh, in rehearsal, he was very quickly off book, and he really had his lines, because, you know, it's 24 hours, very, very quickly he got all these lines. Then in performance, there was just one line he forgot, so we made up something. The line was something like, oh, this is terrible. He goes, this blows, and that was hysterical, and the good thing about that is, like, he, as the writer, you can take credit for it and be like, yeah, I wrote that. That was, that was all me. <laughs> I'll say something that happened very recently for us with the murder mystery, and I know two of them are kind of familiar with this story, is we were uh, trying to get the murder gras up on its feet, and, you know, they had kind of, they had the gist of it, but we, we knew we could punch it up, and one of the moments we found was uh, this character was so pretentious, he kept saying his name is uh, Ramond, and the detective uh, would just call him Raymond. And then he would always correct him, it's Ramond. And I think we hit that joke 15 times, if not more, in the show. And the audience loved it to the point where on our Thursday night show, they wanted to turn it into a drinking game. And they're like, every time the detective corrects him, and it literally just became 16 lines of dialogue that was never existent in the script. It just became me and Brandon riffing off on each other, being like, Raymond, Ramon, Raymond, Ramon. And <laughs> yeah, and then it turned into a sub-joke. So. Sounds like the entire audience would have passed out by the end of the show. I did not encourage it. <laughs> uh, does anybody have any questions that they want to ask the panelists? Please don't. <laughs> we weren't prepared for this. We write. We don't okay, so add. So, like, when you guys are writing, how do you get somebody to notice your writing and not just, like, keep it on your personal laptop? Like, here it is. You know, how does it get noticed? Um, I ask people to read it. That, hey, will you read this? This guy reads a lot of my stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. 
gonna say my biggest critic is probably my sister which i'm very blessed to have because she's very she will not bs me she will tell me this is crap so you just have to have the confidence just be like hey what do you think of this and get feedback on it and just be open to the feedback uh some people i know are very i wrote this and this can never be changed but i don't think you grow or can really do much just with a cut and dry i'm not willing to take any sort of criticism towards this and even uh, community theaters and professional theaters too um they'll accept uh scripts uh community theaters yeah. especially PLT yeah. does uh, the script reading yeah absolutely yeah P- pensacola little theater script does the, the script teasers uh and in Mo- mobile where i live uh every local theater will produce something original uh, every year at least one um so it's really just an email away usually yeah these days with email submissions uh, i have students and i've done it myself uh, uh occasionally to help people you just look up theater companies uh, regional, uh, little theaters, what have you, and send them the script. And oftentimes you'll get a reply. Uh, sometimes they get feedback, uh, but at least somebody's reading your work. And, and every now and then, you know, somebody m- might want to put it on. I have a, a former colleague, he teaches in um, Illinois, so he's probably high right now. Uh, but he yeah. used to just send out scripts, and the next thing you know, somebody in New York is producing it, somebody in Massachusetts is producing it, and keep going, keep going, keep going. Yeah, I've, I've always had a couple of trusted advisors, trusted friends that I'll, that I'll read the scripts first and uh, give me some ideas and feedback. And, and then I do go to script teasers. I do send out to, to the different theaters producing, and uh, I've had a few out. New York, I had something in New York, I had something in New Jersey and Atlanta. So, you know, you just send them out, and some, sometimes they like them. <laughs> Any other questions? Well, on, on her question, it makes me think that there's uh, this Facebook group, South Ethics Fans, like mm-hmm. Emerald Coast Film Group or whatever. Yes. That would be a good place to to get a circle of people who might want to read your stuff. And then yeah, some, they, people, some of them are filming. Yeah, they might want to read it, might want to film it. Um, and and you're right. If you join the, uh, the local groups in your area, you can start meeting people who are like us writing and developing and and doing something that's another way is basically just make sure you get it out and don't just leave it on your hard drive just just share and network unless it's bad then just leave no. <laughs> even, even if it's bad <laughs> yeah you could produce it yourself that's what we did yeah we didn't do it because it was bad though. no no <laughs> i think so any other questions it's one for everybody Obviously, you have learned that there's good and bad feedback, constructive feedback, unconstructive feedback, and uh, presumably feedback is supposed to either make you motivated or motivated to change to go and want to start, do something or other. Uh, do you still have thin skin towards feedback, or if not, have you overgone the other way? What has been your action, response, overall view of feedback? I know if you ask this to a bunch of classic writers, say, uh, uh, Charlie Chaplin, uh, any of the Barrymores, they would largely say, do feedback. But obviously you don't think that way, but what do you think? Well, you, you have to be your own worst critic. Uh, first off Um, and so you should tear apart whatever you've produced um, until you're reasonably happy with it and 
the reason for doing that is when you do get feedback, you're in a position to at least judge the feedback and say, okay, well, I know for a fact I did this, and maybe they just didn't get that, because uh, that will happen. You could, two people can read the same book and not, not interpret it the same way. Um, just getting enough distance between yourself and what you've created uh, that you can judge the feedback appropriately, or as appropriately as you can, I guess. Yeah, that's a great point. No, you go ahead. No, no. Okay. Um, I have very thin skin sometimes when it comes to uh, having have being critiqued. It's uh, it can be soul crushing because you know you pour you pour your heart into something and you give it to somebody and they just tear it apart and you're like, damn, it's really not that bad. And it's it's like um, Kip had said, it just somebody has a different um, opinion of what's good or or what they like. Somebody else may actually like it and. I think the thumbing of the nose is just a way to put a wall up and say no, because I think everybody feels what, what happens there. You just have to uh, know what, what you want to do and, and, you know, haters be damned, do it. Yes. I, I've, I've noticed over the years it changes, but, but um, right now when you get feedback, it makes you go back and rethink some things mm -hmm. and say, okay, is that relevant or not? As, as, you know, you've you've worked it, and you've worked it, and you've worked it, and you sent it out. Somebody said, "Well, you know, that maybe I did think about that. Maybe I should change that, or maybe I shouldn't." You know, so it it, it gives you something to think about. The way I think about it is, especially writing for the stage, is you're trying to communicate something to the audience, and the feedback lets you know how effective your communication is. So if you need to alter the message in some way in order to get your point across. So I basically look at it as constructive, even if they don't mean it as constructive, because um, you know it's like if you post a video on Facebook or you post a video on YouTube, the comments you're going to get are the least constructive in the universe. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, but I think you can still get something out of it. Of course, it, it helps having a lifetime of rejection that, that inures you to it. <laughs> Started out as a young boy. <laughs> well, you're not wrong. As, as an actor, um, we're used to being rejected yeah. over and over and over. So what's, what's one more? <laughs> Anything else? Uh, what point do you, like, getting the feedback goes into maybe now I should start, like, trying to copyright it or something so that way, like, or is the community not so, like, oh, I like this, I'm going to just steal it from you? and your like, experience oh, with... about copywriting? Yeah. yeah. I steal from other people, so I don't have to worry. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, in my experience, people are pretty chill about it, and they... Um, no, I don't think anyone's ever copied many of my ideas, but I write stupid stuff, so why would they have been? <laughs> yeah, the, the main thing is a lot of people will worry. I know I did when I first wrote my very first screenplay. It's like, and I did copyright it because I had this, this fear, mm -hmm. but the, the thing is... Once you do it, it's it's technically copyrighted. You you've written it and everything. All a copyright does is help you in case you need to go to litigation. It shows that you have it copyrighted. Mm -hmm. um, it gives you peace of mind. It's actually cool to get a little thing say, hey, my uh, screenplay's copyrighted. But um, in this community, I don't think I've seen anybody stealing or taking from. The problem with writing and or any art is there's nothing original. Yeah. Everything has been done, so we're going to riff off of everything we see and, and, and stuff like that. So it's, unless it's like a blatant thing, then it's really not anything to worry about. Which is why we just make fun of ourselves when we write. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what it is. What I worry about is inadvertently 
picking up some because I, I watch shows yeah. or read mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. inadvertently unintentionally doing taking a line from someplace you know yeah. and I'm like oh well you know, you worry about it. And that's actually where feedback can help because yeah. I just finished writing a manuscript for a book on acting and I submitted it to several of my colleagues and one of them pointed out how one of the exercises was just like uh, one in acting one by, uh, I think, Cohen. And I was like, oh, you're absolutely right. I remember that exercise. I remembered it subconsciously. And if she hadn't pointed it out, I might have, you know, been guilty of ripping that dude up. So... I say you see it all the time with comedians. I know there's some study about it where you inadvertently take somebody's joke, and there's been several comedians that have all been accused of stealing each other's jokes, but they all claim they didn't steal the joke. So, but like you pointed out, it everything has been done before, so you're just kind of putting your twist on it. So, but I think the rule of thumb they always say with that is if you are sure somebody else wrote it don't put it in or something like that yeah just yeah. come go somewhere else because it's not worth the risk so. any other uh, same thing has happened with uh with songwriters that uh yeah they'll have yeah. songs in their head they don't know where it came from whether they dreamt it up or they heard it and they there's litigation <laughs> I about that. i do have a question about um the depth of humor uh when you write so uh stand-up comedians uh can get away with what i'll call cheaper humor, one-liners, punchlines, things like that. Uh, Murder Mystery can get away with that as well because uh, people come and they say, we like these guys. It's not that they, they care so much about the story, but they like the acting, they like the comedians. But when you're writing for stage or for film, uh, where you want people to remember the story and, uh, and have an elevator speech to give it to their friends to say, hey, you should go watch this, um, do you have to get deeper uh, with the humor? Do you have to add some drama in there so that there's a story they remember? Is it about situation or is it something else? I would say uh, you're going to have to have a story. Yeah. Um, bottom line, you've got to have a, a, a complete story structure in there so people do remember what happened. And what I do, uh, the first screenplay I wrote is a, uh, is a comedy. And there is a, it, it's, if, you take, if I take the comedic elements out of it, it's very much a drama, it's a heartfelt drama. So I like adding humor in. It's like um, an example, Shaun of the Dead, great horror film, funny as hell. So it's, they still had the structure of, of a film and adding in the, in the comedy. I don't know if I'm answering your question or where I'm going, but it's, uh, I think you do have to have, you've got to have your plan, your, your story's, story's king on that. Yeah. And characters that, that, um, that are relatable. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. that you want to be invested in what happens next to the characters regardless, you know, you want to look at the characters. Like with us, it, it, initially we didn't really think it was going to turn into a series, but then we started developing the characters as we went along, so you, right. you've got to have characters that people would want to know their backstories and want to know what they're going to do next. Yeah, it's never about the joke for me. It's about the character and how something they say may just be funny and, and how they say it. And, and you have to have the great characters and the great story, and then stuff comes out of that. When I develop the, the characters and know all about them, they'll start writing the script for me. Mm -hmm. You know, you just kind of do it, and they, they come on and they join you. Uh, happens. Uh, when it comes to the idea of the comic premise, uh, you either have an extraordinary character in an ordinary situation, 
or an ordinary character in an extraordinary situation, and that juxtaposition is a is a source of comedy. I tend to be because of uh, my favorite form of comedy is theater of the absurd. Uh, I tend to be attracted to darker characters. I had a script writing professor say that uh, the characters in your script should be people that the audience want to sit down and have dinner with, and I was like, those people are boring. So I write about really <laughs> up people. Uh, that's what I'm attracted to. And so <laughs> the comedy really comes out of the situation and their reaction to the situation. Because we're all losers to some extent. So I like focus on the loser aspect of personalities and then put them in life situations. And the comedy comes out of their reactions to it. Sounds like then people can kind of identify with some aspect yeah. of that character. Yeah, because we're all losers. <laughs> 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 I want to add on what, 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 Connie, what Connie said is when, when you're writing, and if you have your character and you know all about that character, their history, their life and everything, they write themselves. Mm -hmm. You start, at least for me, I hear it. I hear them talking. I hear, hear the dialogue. I see it all right there because you've developed the character. They're not just one-dimensional in for a prop. So it's, it's important. And then you kind of have to stay like in your element as far as you know theater of the absurd are you going for slapstick i mean it just really depends because comedy can go in so many different directions you kind of have to have a clear cut obviously you start with character and then do you want to put them in a theater of the absurd world do you want to put them in a slapstick world do you want it to be more like a coen brothers film where it's funny but it's serious and people die in it but it's still funny for some reason so. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Yeah. yeah. Will you both stay with comedy? I know there's that uh, intimidating Hollywood and Broadway statement, a comedian really can't handle the good stuff, the, the, the hard stuff, the real stuff. Does that intimidate you? Does it bother you at all? <clears throat> I think something for me, you gotta, I'm part of a writer's group and it gets so frustrating when just people aren't getting it and then you start to like doubt yourself, but then you kind of have to refocus on why you're doing it and find the enjoyment in it again. If you're not enjoying it anymore, it's probably gonna affect your work, so. Obviously, you shouldn't just quit if it's your job, but I think you need to re when you get to that point when it's not enjoyable, you need to find out why. Yeah. And for me, I kind of took a break from that writing room and then refocused and then came back in with a different energy because there was one script I was very adamant about, and I still am, and I'm going <laughs> to... They just didn't get it, and it's fine. I mean, that's no... like. Not everybody likes Harry Potter, but it's one of the also the Bible. Like it's not not everything's going to be everybody's thing, but you can find your market, find your people, talk to people, refocus, and then get back to doing it. So definitely, there is an intimidating factor. A lot of people say once you get paid for something, you don't enjoy it anymore. So I think you got to refocus why you wrote in the first place. And I think. Um 
you know, the two drama masks, the tragedy and comedy. Uh, I think that's representational of your only two options in life. You can either laugh at something or cry at something. Mm-hmm. And you can't just simply do away with one. Um, unless Clayton says, like, there's some burnout. <laughs> um, when but you die inside. Right. <laughs> but it's a yin-yang sort of thing. And, um, you know, you see in Shakespeare and other plays, or even, even Neil Simon, that... Um, Something can be somewhat touching and then very funny uh, all of a sudden, or something can be terrifying and then funny. Mm-hmm. They go hand in hand. I always thought comedy got the short end of the stick. It's when you were talking about the subjectivity of laughter. You know, dying is easy, comedy is hard, is the, is the old phrase. So I always thought comedians d- deserved a lot more respect because comedy is harder. Yeah, that's what they say. It's, 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 it's easier to make people cry than it is to make them laugh. Yeah, yeah you, can, you, can always, you can always shoot the dog and then there it is. <laughs> We get them to laugh about shooting the dog. <laughs> the dog dies and hits a banana laughing. peel. There you go. I wrote a play where the dog died. Did they laugh or did they cry? Um, well, I haven't seen it yet. So. <laughs> Spoiler. Spoiler. John Wick, the musical. <laughs> okay, I have to ask does everybody like get on the Google to do the research? Oh yeah. yeah, yes. Because that's to me is the most interesting course, thing is to yeah. define what what writers have in their search bars. I'm more yeah. of a I'm more of a Bing guy myself. <laughs> Research is so much easier these days. Right, it is. But if anybody sees my search history, I'm that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you gotta use the incognito mode. Exactly. <laughs> Any other questions? Well, as we start to wrap up here, I want to ask everyone here, when it comes to writing comedy, what is one piece of advice you would give to someone who wants to do it? Uh, I say this at all the Kitty Get Job little panels that I've done, and I know Kyle Golden definitely, uh, one of the actors and writers reiterates this, just write. I mean, just write. Like, the worst thing you can do is just get shut down and be like, I don't think I'm good at this. Like, you'll find an audience eventually. I mean, I think one of the famous phrases I always try to keep in mind of myself is if you can make 1% of the world laugh, you're going to be employed for a lifetime. So there's so many people that you can get your message out to. Just do it. Yeah, the same thing I was going to say. Just, just do That's it. copyright by Nike, by the way, and I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a hesitation because, like I said, you don't know if people will think it's funny and, and you put so much of yourself into the stuff that you write. So it, it helps to have somebody that will push you also and tell you to, to write um, and, and somebody that, that, that supports you and believes in you. And then you just have to just go out there and do it, really. That's, that's the bottom line. Just do it. It's everybody's line. Don't do it if you don't enjoy it. I mean, if this is what you really like to do and you get enjoyment out of it, do it every day. Do it every chance you get because it will just get easier. It'll start flowing more and you'll find yourself writing more and more. My advice is to read, watch, read the best scripts, some of the best scripts, watch the best films of comedy. Um, Harvey is one of my favorite plays. It is funny as heck all the time, every time I see it. And watch those comedies. Watch Shakespeare. Read Shakespeare's comedies. You'll learn how the form works and what works. And that's, that's you know, you'll learn the form. Absolutely. Uh, I know I'm stealing this from someone, but I don't know whom. Um, if you have a favorite joke or a favorite line, just go ahead and take it out, then reread the scene or the whole script. Is that Mammoth? That's Mammoth. 
Prince Mamet. <laughs> uh, take that line out and then reread the script or the scene, and does the scene still work? Uh, if not, then it's a scene. <laughs> rewrite it. Yeah, he also said character driven means the writer was too lazy to come up with a plot. <laughs> uh, I would just say, uh, in addition to just do it, copyright Nike. Um, be sure and, and get other people to read it. You know, don't just keep it to yourself. Get it out. Whether it's, you know, mom, read this. Dad, as soon as you're done beating me, read this. Uh, however you can get the message out, just get the message out. Fantastic. Well, thank you guys so much for taking the time to do this panel. Let's give these guys a nice round of applause. Thanks again to Scott, Marianne, Clayton, Connie, Kip, and Rodney for taking part in the Writing for Comedy panel. And thank you to those who were in charge of the Pensacola Indie Fringe and Comedy Festival for giving me the opportunity to moderate the panel. For next week's show, I'm going to keep the comedy discussion going by hosting a special Facebook Live show listing my top 10 comedies of all time. It's going to be this Sunday at 6 p.m. on Facebook Live. That's 6 p.m. Central Time. So if you want to leave your list, I'll be posting a thread on Facebook uh, probably Sunday morning. So if, like the normal top 10 list go, you can just leave your list there and I will read them on the air. You'll also be hearing the first interview that I have done for this podcast uh, now in, I think, well over a month, and that is with model-slash-actress-slash-writer-slash-producer Victoria Vertuga. She comes on the show to talk about her newest web series, Disgraced, as well as how she found her way into you know, her wide berth of careers uh, that she has found herself being a part of. So hopefully you'll come back next week and check out that fun episode. But until then, you can check out past episodes of the show on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcast, and YouTube. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Podcast. And of course, thank you to my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, for providing the theme music for the podcast. You can find all their music on Apple Music, Google Play, and Spotify. And I think that's going to do it for this week's show. So enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here this Sunday on Facebook Live. <laughs>